Pulse 95 Live from the Global Media Congress at the Abu Dhabi National Exhibition Center. Hello, welcome back to the program, our dedicated show from the Global Media Congress. And uh, we've been having a number of guests and personalities on our show. Most of them are busy at the moment because they've been heading over to their sessions and there's so much happening in and around the exhibition space, I've got to tell you that. But my favorite stand so far has been the Abu Dhabi police because they've got the uh, happiness patrol mm-hmm. and they've got a a, a model of a horse to show their mounted police team and I was like that's the another thing I was terrified of because this was a, a very tall real life horse size of a a, a, a statue uh, that was there and I was like wow this is this is incredible and uh, I, I just get amazed by s- s- the amount of things that are happening I just can't wait till the show's over so I can just <laughs> browse and soak in the atmosphere I've got to tell you that I definitely agree with you. It's been such an exciting past few days. Two days have already are almost over and we're looking at one more day left. So if you have the chance to go ahead and head to Abu Dhabi, if you're living in Abu Dhabi, then make sure you go ahead and head to Adnik to check out the Global Media Congress. I must say, I think one of my favorite parts about this Congress is how they've actually focused on the true reality when it comes to younger generations consuming content. For the longest time, there has always been this myth that the younger generation is more excited and more interested in, we could say, shallow content. They don't really want to hear more about the news. They don't want to hear about pressing issues that are taking place globally. All they want is clicks, likes, and shares. And that is not truly the reality because at this Congress, we've seen different surveys, different studies that have conduct, that have been conducted that actually showcase that the younger generation truly want to find out about the famine issues that are taking place in developing countries. They want to learn about the tsunamis. They want to find out about the floods and the earthquakes. But all they want is for the content to be delivered to them in a way that suits their time, in a way that suits the medium that they're on. They're on TikTok. They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook. So. As media outlets, as journalists, we need to meet them where they're at. And this is exactly what this Congress has actually focused on. We've also seen them actually draw a lot of attention to uh, how content needs to actually focus more on climate change. We've seen a lot of people actually blaming platforms like Instagram and Meta in general on them not actually portraying the right content for them. But the truth of the matter is we need to give them this content very easily. And, you know, when it comes to producing content on platforms, especially, you know, as radio channels, we truly do focus on facts. And a part of, you know, giving those facts comes from uh, the We Economic Forum. We've actually, uh, I mean, personally on the show, we've uh, used a lot the World Economic Forum and we've used a lot of the statistics and the facts that they've given them. And luckily, we're actually joined today um, by Adrian Monac, who is the managing director and the head of public and social engagement at the World Economic Forum. He's going to he's actually joining us right now to give us more details on what goes on behind the scenes, how these statistics are actually uh, provided to us. Thank you so much for joining us today, Adrian. Great pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, Adrian, when it comes to you know statistics and facts, as a journalist, we're always taught to focus on those because these are the ones that drive the consumer. These are the ones that audience want to hear about versus just heading to any social media platform and getting to see what is known as news. So can you talk to us a little bit more about the process when it comes to creating these facts and these statistics? They're big studies. And so how are they usually started? And what is your uh, sample when it comes to producing such studies? 
Sure. Well, um, if you look behind the scenes at any kind of statistical process, what seems on the outside to be a very clear, very nice numeric kind of ordering of uh, numbers and factors is, of course, behind the scenes, like in any kitchen, uh, a mess. <laughs> uh, you know, statistics come from different organizations. They're produced according to different standards. Those standards don't all meet one another. So a lot of economists and statisticians behind the scenes have to get together and talk to each other about what the parameters of their different set of statistics were and how they can kind of meld them together to produce the kind of analyses that you see in things like the World Economic Forum's Global Competitiveness Report, where we rank all the competitiveness. Um, but there's no single source of truth on all of that. This is putting together data from the World Health Organization or the International Labor Organization or the World Maritime Organization. Lots of different agencies that are collecting different factors about countries, about regions, and then trying to kind of mush those numbers together to make something that's both interesting and valuable for policymakers. Mm -hmm. So on paper, it does all look uh, like someone's just kind of ordered the rankings from <laughs> one to ten and it's all very nicely done. The reality is behind the scenes is exactly like you'd expect if you went behind the scenes of your favorite restaurant <laughs> and saw everyone shouting each other in the kitchen. It's a little bit of that going on. You know, speaking of these numbers, um, we've actually seen some of the latest reports from the World Economic Forum showing that the majority of millennials and Gen Zs, about 50% of them, spend more time on, let's say, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram when it comes to news collection. That's where they are to get news. So how have you been actually approaching this generation when it comes to providing them with these statistics? Because at the end of the day, they may not read them when they're placed in a report physically or in a written report. Exactly problem you know you, you produce data you produce reports and you want people to read them uh, and especially you want people who are going to be in positions of authority who are going to be able to do something as policymakers to kind of absorb those and and do something about them so how do you do that I mean if you produce a report a lot of these reports are kind of sit there gathering dust <laughs> you know what we've tried to do is take a kind of multi-layered approach we produce videos, short form videos that give you kind of the headlines. What are the top three places for something? What are the top five things that you can do to help combat climate change? And we use the reports as the basis for those. And then if people want to go deeper, there's a, maybe a blog post or a text or a list. If they want to go deeper still, they can link to the report and then they can go right down and drill into the different data sets. You know, if you're a real policy wonk and you really want to explore behind it, you can go to the original places where all this data comes from. So we take a kind of multi-layered approach and that's, uh, you know, you'll see that if you go online to any of those sites, our Instagram page, our YouTube, um, you know, we like Instagram and LinkedIn the best, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, we're trying to make it more palatable. Amazing. Well, Adrian, I've got to touch on the, uh, your talk earlier today that you did about uh, how s short form videos uh, are, are dominant, changing the media industry. And we've seen uh, that multiple news organizations actually use the World Economic Forum's videos as a, as a go-to sort of source to say, okay, these are the type of content that's going to be out there. But we've seen other outlets such as, you know, let's say Vice World News, they've got a presenter speaking in a very different tone uh, about a particular topic and breaking it down for the Gen Z to understand mm. it. So where do you think the short form video strategy is going forward? You know, looking at the Gen Z right now, uh, what kind of content is really considered appealing? 
It's, it's interesting. I mean, we as an as an organization, it's very hard for us yeah. to kind of find the voices exactly. that you're talking about as kind of people who are accessible and True. can present information that way. I mean, if I think of someone that we brought to Davos this year, Naz Daly, who does a really cool mm. uh, show kind of giving people a chance True. to really relate to quite difficult and quite controversial topics very accessibly and it's really personality based around exactly, him. Yeah. He's great. I mean, I think what he does is fantastic, but for an organization to do that is, is a little bit more difficult. True. So we're in that kind of interesting space and you put your finger on it there with the kind of personality issue is, is you can produce stuff that has kind of music and text. When you want to go to personalities, you're in a different, a slightly different space. And then you rely on the organization maybe having that very charismatic spokesperson who can really mm. bring something to life. And the truth is for all organizations, like, you know, the top statistician on issue X might not be the best True. person to go on a short form video and tell you about it. That's changing, I think, because people are, you know, growing up in this culture. So, for example, when we do things now, uh, hosting uh, stuff internally, mm. you know, a lot of our young staff are already making videos themselves. They're already right, super, yeah, sure. they're already basically like TV presenters mm. in their own Instagram feeds or in their own kind of LinkedIn. So that skill set is rising up. So I think it's becoming less of an issue because people are, mm. you know, they're getting more used to being uh, like TV personalities. True. And I'd like to talk, build on this, uh, your, your message to the uh, young generation who are media students, for example, because of the, the not only is the mainstream media, the only platform now, the social media, the, the abundance of social media platforms allows mm. them to to become outlets themselves. Uh, um, so what would you suggest to them uh, to, to adapt the multimedia role and how important are these avenues for them to diversify their, their approach? Look, I think, you know, the opportunity's never been greater. If yeah. you're a young person and you've got a compelling message or a compelling personality, you know, there's countless platforms that would love to have your content, TikTok, uh, Instagram, you name it. But I think, you know, if I was starting out, what I would do as a young person is look at the people that I, you know, look at some role models, the people that are doing content that, you know, I think I could do in a similar way and start like that. Because, you know, there's a great line, isn't it? Great, um, great artists, uh, you know, mediocre artists borrow, great artists steal. And if you find the right people to steal from, you know, then the world is yours. Exactly. I haven't, you know, adding to your point, I thought of a question that I wanted to get your opinion on. A lot of people tend to think that you can't really, you can't really take content from one platform and adapt it to another. And that also comes to the role of being a journalist. A lot of people feel like, I wanted to get your perspective on it. Do you feel like a person should be a journalist first or a TikToker first? Because with the platforms that we've seen nowadays, you find a lot of people who are on social media platform, maybe they don't have a background in journalist, but they are given that same trust that is given to a media personality. So what is your perspective on that? And do you believe that content can be adapted to be on such platforms very easily? Look, I think the values remain the same, whatever you're doing, you know, mm. I mean, reporters used to call themselves newspaper men, True. you know, <laughs> and so you do identify with your platform, if you like. But I think what you can see is that, you know, what brings trust, integrity, those kinds of values, 
they're the same everywhere. You know, you want to make sure that what you're presenting is verifiable, that there's a source that you can trust behind it, that that source is being questioned in the right way if you're presenting figures, you know, and exactly what I told you about our statistics, for example, you can go and find all the original statistics that people used. And we can also talk about how we decided to weight one versus the other or not use X, instead use Y. You know, these are the important questions that you want answered when you're interrogating anything. Yeah? I mean, they might be a bit dull in our mm -hmm. case, but you know, there are more exciting ways to tell <laughs> stories, right? But I think the values of integrity, trust, authority, they're the same wherever you go and Absolutely. whoever you listen to. Exactly. Now, I'd like to get your concluding remarks on, on this Global Media Congress because it's very rare to find an event where all these media who normally compete against each other in press scrums and want to get their questions are, you know, answered as well by personalities are actually having their own event and talking amongst themselves. So how important are these conversations and learning from each other uh, as an outlet um, uh, to and to have an event like of this scale? Look, I think it's fantastically important for the industry to get together and see where it's at, especially in the aftermath of COVID, where everyone has been separated for such a long time. And, you know, this region is amongst the most dynamic um, young regions in the world. And media is a huge part of that ecology. And I think to have a meeting where you can bring all those different actors together and they can all see what they're doing and maybe learn from each other a little bit without admitting it, um, <laughs> I think that's a good thing. That's brilliant uh, to, to hear from Adrian Monk, who is the Managing Director, Head of Public and Social Engagement at World Economic Forum, who's very kindly uh, joined us here in the studios to talk to, to us about his experience and uh, thoughts on the event. Thank you very much. Thank Lovely you so to much. have you. Well, stay tuned to Pulse 95 as we continue the discussions from the Global Media Congress and uh, we shall uh, be uh, right back very shortly. So stay tuned to Pulse 95. Pulse 95 